0: Welcome back to the Multi-Channel Seller Podcast. My name is Josh and I am your host. And today we have a special topic. We're going to be talking about taxes. The one thing that binds many of us together. It's one of the guarantees of life. Taxes. So we're going to get into it. And I'm going to explain it. I'm going to explain it without using numbers and I think that's important because there's a lot of people out there who who may be a little bit nervous when it comes to numbers but I'm going to I'm going to um, reduce that fear so the whole point of today's conversation is going to be about taxes and how to how to manage the the fear right the fear of Uncle Sam okay, so we're gonna we're gonna get into that, but before we do, I am still I'm still looking for the first um uh review on Spotify all right, so if you got a quick second, please head over to spotify and if you're not listening on Spotify, it's okay uh um and if you're driving, please don't do anything. just listen, <laughs> do it later so uh head over to spotify uh follow the podcast multi channel seller podcast and um and leave a review and on the next podcast, I will read your review, good or bad, and you know shout you out at the same time um but uh but at least just follow me if if not, just follow me on uh, Spotify, or follow me on any platform that you're listening to. But, um, but, but, but I would very much appreciate it if anyone can head over to Spotify. Uh, if you're not already, and if you are already there, cool, follow me there, and then leave a review, please. Um, thank you so much for that. <clears throat> okay. So, <clears throat> let's get into the episode. Why do we fear... Uncle Sam, okay, there is an entire economy around this fear of the IRS, so because that's so, they're not going to take any initiative to make you less scared of them, you know, the more scared, the better, right, because the more likely people, you know, if, if people, if there's a healthy amount of fear, um, there be enough people wanting to make sure they do their taxes correctly, make sure they're filing everything correctly. So it just creates a little bit of motivation um, when there's fear, right? But um, I don't think you should fear the IRS. I don't fear the IRS. And um, some of us have been uh, audited before. I've been, and I wouldn't, you know, when we use that word audited, when it comes to the IRS, It sounds like some daunting thing when pretty much what it could mean is they send you a letter and say, hey, something's missing or, hey, they're going to send you a letter and say, hey, something was miscalculated and they'll ask you to recalculate something or something like that. But it's a lot of times it's not bad. And um, I had an experience with the IRS in terms of being audited, quote unquote, And I resolved it. I was able to talk to somebody and they were very nice and helpful and they told me what to do and how to do this. And I did it and then it's gone. Uh, But it did take me a little while um, to understand exactly why there was an issue, but I'm glad I went through it because at the end I did, I did understand. And it was very simple. Um, I was just, you know, looking at, you know, my taxes I wasn't understanding something because I wasn't looking at it from bird's eye view. And uh, once I got the bird's eye view, I was able to understand what was going on. But but there's an entire industry around this sphere. I mean, at one point in time, the the tax code was not as comprehensive as it is now. I wouldn't say complicated because, yes, it may be complicated, but I think a lot of it is not complicated. But because there's a lot of words and a lot of this and a lot of that, it may seem complicated. But um, so as the tax as taxes over time become more comprehensive, because, you know, the IRS or the government rather are, have over time taken into account certain, uh, you know, things that have changed within in, in society. Right. So as as in, for example, inflation, as inflation affects us, they start raising, you know, limits on deductions and things like that. So, um, so a lot of the tax code sometimes is a response to what's happening, uh, with, 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 with us, you know, culturally or as a society, um, the different things we're doing, you know, whether it's marriage or whether it's adoption or all these kind of, all these kind of things. As we start doing more of those things, the IRS may respond with maybe deductions or new taxes or something like that. So, <clears throat> so it, it it has gotten more comprehensive over time. And what that has allowed, uh, what it has allowed for, it has allowed for um, tax professionals to become more needed. So you have tax preparers and then you also have accountants. Um, so the tax preparers are, you know, some of the, I guess you could say, unofficial uh, tax preparers, and then you have the accountants. The accountants are more trained, um, you know, went through college more than likely, and um, you know, maybe got a degree in accounting, and and then they got certified in in in, in some other areas. But those are the accountants, okay? Um, but these people. Have become um, very important for the process of filing taxes. So while they're becoming more, while they have been becoming more important over time, there's been a lot of misconceptions as well about tax professionals. See, some people believe that some people believe that the tax preparer is closer to the IRS than you are. Meaning that for some reason, sometimes clients or customers of these of tax preparers or accountants, sometimes they believe that they're, you know, they're in partnership with the IRS or they're somehow like the gatekeepers and they're not. You know, they're just like you, but these are people who study the code, study the tax code. All right. So they're not any more closer to the IRS than you are. Okay? Like the only difference is, is they took the time out to understand the tax code as best they can and then help you file your taxes. Literally, all they do is electronically file your taxes and send them to the IRS. It's something anybody can do, but that's, that's, what, that's what you're hiring them for. Okay? You're not hiring them to give you strategy. Um, you're hiring them to prepare your taxes. Okay? Strategy, tax strategy is a whole different thing. I believe me personally, I believe that if I were to put a number on it, at least 25% more people could file their own taxes because I I think for the most part, most people have relatively simple tax situations. Most people. Okay. And And, um, yeah, there's going to be times where you get like an inheritance or some type of, uh, money from a trust or some type of estate or, you know, winning the lottery or something like that. Those are going to be situations where you, you want to get a tax professional, but we'll get into that in a second. But, but here's the thing we, we live in, you know, the society we live in, um, over time we we've, we've been we've become a lot, a lot less reliant on ourselves and as we become less reliant on ourselves we become more reliant on uh middlemen okay or yeah middlemen for the most part right so if you have like tax preparers and accountants those are middlemen real estate professionals you know agents brokers um uh, loan officers, those are our middle people, okay, uh, or, you know, even middle companies, okay, but they're, they're middlemen in, in a sense, okay, so we have, uh, you know, our 401ks, right, we're relying on others to invest our, our, our money for our future, police, we're relying on, you know, them to be the middlemen between us in conflict with other people, um, doctors, we're relying on them. These are the middle people or the middlemen between us and knowledge of health. Okay, so so we're relying, we're constantly relying on other people to solve our problems. Okay, and in my opinion, it's really bad. It's a really bad thing because what tends to happen is. Regardless of all the books, regardless of all the lectures online, regardless of all, regardless of all of it, people tend to believe what what others say. And they believe it without researching. And what tends to happen is even though those people may have good intentions, sometimes they're wrong. And then when they're wrong, sometimes it can cost you. It can cost you dearly in many different ways. But uh, that that is not to say that we don't need these people that I mentioned. I'm not saying that. I'm saying up into a point, I think most people can handle themselves, up and to a point. But we have to, you know, this would never happen. But we would have to encourage others. We, we you know, if we were encouraged from early on childhood to rely on ourselves for all of those different areas that I just mentioned, there'll be more people, um, you know, there'll be more people being able, uh, being able to handle themselves. But the reason why I don't think that's going to happen is because industry, we live in a capitalistic society. We're not in, there's no way, there's no way we could be encouraged to not circulate our dollars. Okay. We're constantly encouraged to circulate our dollars. Now, um, Without going too far deep into that. Um, Like I said, I think most people can really handle themselves um, up to a certain point. Up to a certain point. And one of the things I would suggest, okay, I, I suggest this to people who I talk to about taxes whenever it comes up. I suggest that... Um, I suggest you take a class, take a tax class. Okay, you can go to your local tax preparer or tax preparation office. Um, I've seen a lot of you know H and R blocks, uh, you know the Jackson Hewitts, the Liberty Taxes, or Liberty Tax rather. All these different places they hold tax school. You know all during the year, and I think I think um, you know I could be wrong, but uh, I think in most, you know, mo- you know these the, one one of these three places are probably in your area. And if not, you may have a local mom and pop who does these classes. Now, you're an entrepreneur. You're a business person. Now, you don't have to know everything. But my opinion is I think you need to at least understand how these things work. You don't have to, you know, go out and jump out and do your own taxes. That's not what I'm telling you to do. Okay. now I am advocating for that, you know, um, to give it a shot, to try it out. And if not, you know, you can go see a tax preparer. That's fine. But but that's not that is not, um, you know, it's not 100 percent necessary to do. It all depends on you. Okay. now there's a lot of people like myself in this area who, you know, would would want to put in the hours to try to figure this out and figure this out for ourselves. Um, me personally, I've been doing my taxes uh, for a long time now, you know. And the more I do it, the better I get and the more efficient that I get. And, you know, I spend some of my time, like, you know, um, around this time of the year looking up new, what are the new tax codes or is, is there anything that that affects me? Um, that I need to know to prepare my taxes this time, you know, so what changes are there? So, so I, so I don't miss anything. And listen, there are times where I'll probably miss things. Okay. But me personally, okay. Me personally, um, if I do miss a deduction, which I don't think I do, because I literally, uh, I literally, I literally go line from line. I don't, I don't miss anything. Okay. But there was one year I looked at my taxes and said, oh, you know, I actually missed um, a deduction. Um, It wasn't like a major deduction, but I just left it. I didn't, you know, I didn't redo my taxes or anything like that. It was just like, okay, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Okay. It's not the difference between, you know, uh, a couple hundred dollar deduction and then me going to see a tax preparer just to make sure I don't miss any deductions, the, the benefit of just letting it go outweighs going to spend, you know, a couple hundred dollars to make sure a tax preparer doesn't miss a deduction that I, that I wouldn't miss anyway. But I I did that one particular time. So it, it's, it's not worth it for me. Okay. Now there will get there. I know my threshold. I know what my point is where it's like, okay, I can no longer do this. Okay. by myself, because, uh, this it's getting my situation a little bit more complicated now but i know how to handle my situation as of now okay as of now um <clears throat> so that's my first suggestion my first suggestion is always to just is just take a tax class all right it's not it's not as bad as some of you may think trust me it's not um if you are if you are using a tax preparer to do your taxes and not an accountant to do your taxes, you probably need to look in, looking to, you know, doing your own taxes. Okay. Um, Anybody could be a tax preparer. Anybody. You could be in a high school dropout and be a tax preparer. Shout out to the high school dropouts to get your money. Okay. But if you are using a tax preparer, then your situation is probably not as complicated as you think, okay? Now, that is, that, is not, that is not to say that your situation is not complicated, but I would look into it, okay? At least understand the numbers on the pages of your taxes. See, what tends to happen is, and, you know, I, uh, I've been guilty of it twice. I've, I've had uh, uh, a tax preparation um, company do my taxes twice way back in the day. And I've been doing mine my own ever since, but there are twice, you know, you do your taxes and you don't look at them. Okay. You know, uh, and, and that's it. Now there's an issue with that. Okay. There's an issue with that because it's a bad habit. It's a bad habit to looking at your financials or to, to have a financial event and not look at the financials. Now, you may not understand every single thing about your taxes, but if you don't at least go through it to try to piece it together yourself, just, you know, you know, nothing too intently, but just look at it. Okay, that, that could be a bad habit that can, you know, go into another area, like your bank statements, for example. Now, I've been guilty of that a lot. Not looking at my bank statements, you know, not knowing what's coming in and what's going out. I think we've all, we, we, you know, a lot of us, I would say mostly all of us, have been guilty of that, you know. So it's it's just bad habit, okay. But I I think I'm pretty confident that people can actually understand their taxes a lot better. Um, let's see what we got here. So I'll go over a few a few things here before we get into the main event. Um, something I should have said earlier was that, uh, you, you know, a little bit of disclaimer, right? So I am not a tax professional. Anything I say in this podcast is my opinion, okay? Do not do what I'm telling you. And if you do, that is literally that is literally just your choice, okay? I am not a financial advisor. I am not a legal authority, a legal professional, or a tax professional. If you have any questions about your taxes, any legal stuff, or anything like that, you know, contact an accountant, or a financial advisor, or a lawyer, okay? All right, um... <clears throat> Here's a few situations where you're probably okay. You're probably gonna need some help with your taxes. Now, I'm not gonna knock knock tax pre- pre- uh, tax preparers, okay? Because um, that was me. You know, I I had a tax preparation business. I had a franchise, uh, and and that's one of the things I did. So I've seen a lot of taxes. I, taxes. I've done taxes myself. I've trained people on doing taxes. I you know. I've supervised, you know, I don't even know how many uh, uh, taxes, people's taxes at this point. I don't know. Uh, maybe under a thousand. Um, and and I've seen a lot of people, okay? I've seen a lot of people and how they respond, okay, to, to the tax season. So I, I have a you know, a decent understanding of how these things work, okay? I believe so. And um, <clears throat> you're going to more than likely need some help, a tax professional, okay, if you have these type of events. So if you have like, uh, um, so if you, if you own property, if you own investment property, or if you sell property on a contract, uh, uh, on, a, on an installment contract, right, where you're getting interest you're collecting interest on a sale of a property or if you have some type, some type of wealth wealth transfer event that I mentioned earlier, like the uh estate, uh, you know, getting money from a trust, you know, um, um, oh, IRA, IRA distributions, or early IRA IRA withdrawals, or um, you know, if you get divorced or if you sold some assets, you know, you start doing things like that, you you know, you, you know, you might you might need some help. Okay. You might need some help. Um, and which is fine, you know, and, um, but my goal is to just not, is to, is to help you, help you not be afraid or to help you lower your nervousness when you go into tax season, when you have any type of event, whether it's a, you know, a, a, a event where you're likely to need a tax preparer, or if you got something simple going on. Okay? If you got something simple, all you guys are W two. That's all you got. you live with your parents and you're twenty two years old. You know what I'm saying? I want you to understand too. Okay? You gotta understand this too. Understand how it works. Because, you know, you are, you know, <laughs> those people are, are targets. You know what I'm saying? Those are people are targets for, for high tax preparation fees because they tend to to not look at their taxes and not to look how much they're being charged for filing or pay attention or pay attention to it too well. Okay. <clears throat> so for the people listening, for you entrepreneurs out here, okay, and business people, Mr. and Mrs. Person, okay, for you folks, taxes can be broken down into four parts. Four parts. Now, if you were not an entrepreneur and you're just that 22 year old, only W 2 made 20000 30000 even $40,000, uh, those people, it could possibly be a simpler conversation. Okay. Now, four parts. The ten forty. Everybody knows what the ten forty is, or heard of it rather. Okay, the ten forty is the main tax form. It's where all the final numbers go. All right. Two, the Schedule One. And that is a um, it's a it is a form for additional income. And adjustments to that income. So, keyword right here is additional. We'll come back to that. Uh, three is the Schedule Two. The Schedule Two is the additional tax form. All right. So, on the on the um, on the ten forty, at, at some point you're going to arrive. At a point in the 1040 where it says, "Oh, this is your tax. This is what you, um, this is what you are said to pay." Okay, but however, what's not listed in that section is going to be listed on the Schedule Two, so the additional taxes, and whatever that final number is on Schedule Two, it's going to go on the 1040. Okay, number, number. Uh, Number four is the Schedule 3, and that's the additional credits and payments. All right, we'll, we'll get into that. So each of the schedules, so Schedule 1, 2, and 3, they're additional, okay? They're additional forms. So that's why I was saying, uh, now, for some people, the only form they're going to need is a 1040. But if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to need these other forms more than likely, and you'll know why in a moment. So each um each of these three schedules are are like are like sections of the ten forty that's why it says additional so schedule one is additional income so the section on the ten forty for income whatever's whatever type of income is not listed on the ten forty it's gonna be listed on the schedule one same thing for the additional tax like we already we already mentioned that so schedule two is the additional tax so whatever the tax section uh is on the 1040 whatever is not listed there for the different taxes that you are potentially going to pay whatever is not listed on the 1040 is listed on the schedule two the additional tax form same thing for schedule three Okay, the additional credits and payments. We're gonna to get to that. So whatever's not listed in the section for credits and payments on the 1040, whatever's not listed there, you're gonna find on the Schedule Three, and that final number there is gonna go on the 1040. All right. So let's 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 uh let's break it. Let's break these four sections down, or these four parts down rather. Okay. So 1040, we already went through that. Everybody knows what that is, uh, or you know has heard of it at least, and it's it's the ten forty is broken down into sections. It's broken down to income, adjustments, tax, and credits and payments. Okay. So the ten the forty is broken down into the titles of these schedules without the additional part on the on the name of the schedules. All right. So let's go to the schedule two part. Okay, is how it relates to you, the entrepreneur. So the schedule one is additional income. The form is called additional income and adjustments to that income. This is where you're going to put your business income. All right, now, I'm not gonna go too deep into this, okay? Because it, it can go a little, it can go a level deeper, but we're, just gonna, we're gonna stick to the surface. I just want you to understand the flow of taxes here okay so income your profit and loss from your business now what kind of business well mostly all businesses um but for the most part you're going to talking we're talking about uh, llc's general partnerships sole proprietorships OK, all of those three are treated the same for tax purposes. They're treated the same. Now, unless you have a LLC with a C-Corp election. OK, so you can have your LLC with C-Corp election, but that's that's neither here nor there as of now. OK, so your business, in, your business income is going to go on the schedule one. What else, what other income is going to go into Schedule 1? Real estate income, okay? Rental income, and then you have royalties, and then you have income from trusts, and then you also have wages from incarceration for some of y'all out there. All of that is going to go on the Schedule 1. And what you need to uh, keep in mind, like I said, this can go a layer deeper. So this is the layer deeper that I'm talking about without going too far into it. For each one of those... Uh, on, on the Schedule 1, on the Schedule 1, there's a line for each type of income that, they're, that the IRS lists. For the most part, each line, for example, uh, business income, okay, you're going to, it'll say, you're going to uh, attach another form. In, in the case of business income, it's the Schedule C. A lot of you have heard about that. So the Schedule C, you fill that out. And then once you get to your final number, it's going to go on the Schedule 1. And then once you tally up all the additional incomes that apply to you from Schedule 1, that final number that's on Schedule 1 is going to go on the 1040. All right. So it flows like that. Now, there's a second there's a second half. So one half of the Schedule 1 is additional income. The other half of schedule one is adjustments to that income and adjustments usually are deductions. So that's where you have your educator expenses, your, uh, your self-employed, uh, your self-employed, uh, retirement plans. You know, they have like the simple and the SEP retirement plans, those things like that. So if you have a deduction for those things, it's going to go there. Um, uh, your student loan interest, student loan interest is on there. And I believe uh, the deduction for self-employment taxes is on the Schedule 1 as well. Because uh, so, some of your self-employment tax that, you, you, that you're that you going to pay, it could be deducted. Now, and in another deduction, uh, if you pay for attorney fees, if you pay attorney fees for snitching, that's also going to be on the schedule one you get a deduction for that all right all right don't believe me go if you if you google you pull it up yourself Google IRS schedule one part two you look at look for part two of the schedule one and the line item is twenty four h and that's where you'll find it okay so that's schedule one schedule one is additional income and adjustments all right schedule two additional tax. Okay. So set, schedule two additional tax. So on the part of the 1040, there's a tax section and the tax section is this, um, is this. So once you get to your income and your adjustments, you have your gross, your adjusted gross income at that point. And there may be a few lines below that. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm going off, I'm going off the top of my head right now. <clears throat> In in a few lines below that, you're going to get to a point where it says tax. Now, depending on when you listen to this podcast, right? The number, the lines are going to be different. That's why I'm not saying the exact lines because it may be line 31 this year and then next year it could be line 22 or 40 or, you know, the, the line for tax could change because the number of things on the 1040 could change. But anyways, you're going to get to a point where it says tax on the 1040. At that point, You're going to go to, uh, the number that goes there, it comes from a table and that table is the, uh, the table is for your income. So you go to the table, you look for your income, uh, your adjusted gross income, and then you, and then it'll tell you what your tax is based on that income. So the tax is what you are said to owe. At that point on the tax form, now that doesn't mean that's what you're gonna owe at the end of your tax form because we're not there yet. We're still going through the tax form of the 1040. So it's just it's just what it's said for you to owe at that time on the tax form. Okay. So let's say it's you know five thousand, right? And then there's another part. That's not on the 1040, and that's where the Schedule 2 comes in, where additional tax. And the reason why you're, you know, you're, you're, if you're using Schedule 1 for your business income, you're going to be using Schedule 2 because you have something called self-employment tax. That's going to be on the Schedule 2. That's not on the 1040, so that's why it's listed on the Schedule 2. Your self-employment tax, all right? So self-employment tax is a, is a, is a, is a butt kicker, okay, uh, it is what it is that it's it's it it the way it's calculated um it's um you know <laughs> you're gonna pay you know you going to if you got if you you have self-employment tax it's it's a true bummer i'll just put it that way but anyways that's where your self-employment tax is going to be calculated and the self-employment tax i'll just give you a little bit without getting too lost in the sauce and the reason why um you Know the self employment tax is very unattractive, is because you're you pay that tax, you, you, you're, going to, um, you're going to pay that tax regardless of the next section we're, we're going to talk about. See, the next section we're going to talk about, we're talking we're going to talk about credits and payments. The credits and payments are uh, generally subtracted from your tax, so that's why I was saying. At the, when you get to the point where it says tax, that's what you're said to owe. But then when you go further down to credits and payments, you may owe something smaller or even get a refund. Okay. But with self employment tax, as of now, you're going to pay whatever the self employment tax is. You don't pay whatever your tax is. If you're like a W, if you're like a W 2 cuz your your tax could be lowered by your credits and payments which we're going to get into but self employment tax you're not seeing deductions from that you're going to pay that all right so um yeah self employment tax and then from there you, you you get a deduction from your um you get a de- you do get a de- deduction from uh some of your self employment tax a percentage of it um but yeah, so you're not protected by the credits and payments for self-employment tax like you are when you're a W-2. When you're a W-2, you have credits and payments, and that can that can uh, lower your your tax, and then maybe even give you a refund. But anyways, so other other scenarios uh, in the the additional tax section that that you know a lot of people run into are the you know the IRAs. So if you have like additional penalties for taking out your IRAs, that's a a common thing people do. Um, You're going to see those taxes. You're going to owe taxes and put those taxes, or those taxes are going to be calculated on the Schedule 2. Um, Okay, let's go into the uh, Schedule 3, okay? And then once I I explain the Schedule 3, maybe that'll help clear up some misunderstanding. Not misunderstanding, but... uh, so maybe it'll close the gap on some understanding with the Schedule 2 in the self-employment tax that I was talking about. But um, but yeah, let's not get lost in the sauce with this self-employment tax. But I just want to explain that just real quickly. Uh, but before we get into the Schedule 3, let's take a quick little break. So it'll be a, um, it'll be a break for me, but it'll be a half a second for you when I come back. All right, all right, all right. I am back. Um, Remember, if you have not yet gone over to Spotify, give me a follow. Give me a review. And if you leave a review, I will shout you out on the podcast. Then also read your review, good or bad. Uh, I'll do that as well. Okay, so, um, and follow me on any platform that you're listening on. You know, uh, make sure you follow me there. Um, schedule three, the additional credits and payments, okay, additional credits and payments. Now the credits and payments, I will say could be a little confusing, but I'm going to try to not make it confusing. Okay. There's one thing you need to understand about the difference between credits and payments. So first understand where we are on the tax form. Okay. Cause we're going in order section by section. Okay, we just came from the tax section. The tax section is the section where you where it is calculated what you are said to owe. Okay. That section says, okay, based on your income, you're going to owe this. Okay. Whether it's W-2 income, whether it's real estate income, whether it's uh, royalty income, whether it's business income. Okay, your income is and your and the amount that you are said to owe will be calculated at that point on the form. Now, after that, we go into the credits and payments section. Now, we're on the 1040. Now, whenever it's not listed on the 1040 of credits and payments is on the Schedule 3, additional credits and payments. So let's go back to the 1040 real quick. One of the biggest... uh Credits, C- credits and payments. Um, I'm I'm going to use credits and payments simultaneously because they're treated as such. Credits are treated as payments, and you you'll know. Um, maybe maybe you'll understand um, at the end. So here's what you got to understand about the difference between credits and payments. There's there's non-refundable credits, and then there's refundable credits so non-refundable credits and then refundable credits so back to the 1040 like i said a second ago there's a very popular credit called the earned income credit the earned income credit is a re <clears throat> is a refundable credit here's what it means a refundable credit <clears throat> means that if the credit Is larger than your tax okay so if the credit is larger than your tax that difference will be refunded to you it's a refundable credit so quick example let's say your tax was calculated at uh, 2000 $2,000 then you go down further on the 1040 you see the earned income credit line you do your calculation for the earned income credit and let's say your earned income credit is $3,000. So the amount that's going to be refunded to you is $1,000 because your tax was $2,000. The refundable credit was $3,000. So that, you know, so $2,000 of that $3,000 brings it to zero and then the difference is $1,000. That's going to be refunded to you. So it's a refundable credit. And then you have, Something called a non-refundable credit. So, a non-refundable credit is a credit that can only bring your your tax liability down. Um, the max it can go down is zero. Okay, so there's a there's a non-refundable child credit called the uh, it's called the credit for child and dependent care expenses. That's for, um, and you know, I've seen this a lot because I, I, I had my tax preparation business in a uh, lower middle to low income area, and dealt with a lot of uh, dealt with a lot of single parents, single mothers mostly, and you know, a lot of them had these these credits because they put their kids in childcare while they were working. Now they get a deduction for that for their payments. Okay. So let's say, let's say, take it to their example. The, the same example as before, let's say your tax liability uh, liability is 2000. And then let's say the, uh, the credit for child and dependent care expenses. Let's say it was 3000. Okay. So. The, credit for child and dependent care expenses is a non-refundable credit. So in that case, it will lower that person's tax liability down to zero and that's it. Okay? If it's 3,000 and your tax liability was 2,000, there's you don't get that difference back. You just it just goes down to zero and that's it. All right? So those are those are the, that that is what you really need to understand about this section is the Difference between a non-refundable credit and a refundable credit. You gotta know what's what. So, what's what's a non-refundable credit? Um, <clears throat> another non-refundable credit are some of the credits like for for uh, electric vehicles. Some of that stuff is non-refundable. Um, uh, you have the uh, the additional child tax credit. The addition the additional child tax credit is a non-refund uh, excuse me is a refundable credit. So if you have anything, if you have something called additional child tax credits, those, those could be refunded back to you. So, 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 uh, I did mention that credits and payments are treated as the same. They're treated like payments. Okay. They treat them as payments. So if, if, for example, uh, if, for example, during the year you paid estimated taxes to the IRS they just estimated, right. So that's going to go into section two for, for payments. And obviously, if you're paying with your cash, those are refundable credits, okay? Um, but the point is that it lowers your tax liability. So if your liability was 2000 and during the year you've paid estimates totaling $3,000, uh, you're going to get a refund of 1000 okay? Because you, you overpaid. You overpaid, literally, and then refundable credits are treated the same way. You it's it's treated as if you overpaid. So if you have an earned income credit, and your earned income credit is greater than your tax liability, it's treated as if you overpaid. So that's why you're getting refunded. All right. Um <clears throat> let's see. And that's it. <laughs> And that's it. That is taxes explained without using numbers. I'm gonna leave it there, you guys. So, um, listen, there's plenty of things that I did not cover, you know, but this is this is this is gonna be an episode that's probably gonna be my least popular because hey, you know, people don't really tune into these type of things for the most part. But if you're listening you, you're gonna if you're listening to this episode, you're gonna have uh, a, 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 an edge over those who don't. So um, so keep up, keep up the good work and listen. if you guys got any questions, concerns, anything um, you know obviously e-commerce related you wanted to chat about or not chat about, ask a quick question or something you want me to cover over in the next podcast, feel free to email me. email me at multi podcasts at gmail.com. So multi cha- multi-channel podcast at gmail.com and um, yeah my name is Josh and I'm out.